Hi, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning into the IoT Insider. Uh, my name is Dan Cunliffe, and I'm Managing Director of Pangea. And today, I am thoroughly happy to be joined by Julian Parvin, who is the Director of Partner Business at Daisy Communications. Hi, Julian. How are you? Hi, Dan. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Just um, recovering a little bit from last week's uh, sessions at Comms Vision. Um, one or two mini whiskeys, but we'll be fine. We'll actually get through it. So just about surviving. Yes, I think Comms Vision tends to tends to bring out the uh, the worst in people. <laughs> yeah, and um, also the biggest spend at that bar I believe has ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's a lot going on. But yeah, no, thank you so much for joining us. And um, uh, I just want to give Julian an opportunity just to give a little bit of an intro, really, and sort of a bit of background, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, of course. So I'm the director of partner business within Daisy Communications. So I look after our indirect channel. Um, so effectively, what that means is that we um, we pass through our Daisy Build services via a channel of partners, ultimately serving the um, the SMB customer. Um and that ranges from um, from mobile at one end to, I guess, sort of you know high end system sales at the others at the other end, um, and every facet of the of the communications um, workflow in between. And IoT is something that we've uh, that we've come into relatively recently. I would say sort of within the last within the last four to six months in earnest. But certainly from the response that we've had from our partners, um, it feels like we've we've entered this opportunity area um certainly at the right time and i feel that with with what's happening in the marketplace um and the number of conspiring factors around um that it really is you know a, a perfect opportunity for for ourselves um as daisy for our partners and ultimately for um our partners customers to look at iot as being part of that digital transformation and to how they how they reinvent themselves and how they see working differently yeah very much so i think we uh we recently had the pleasure um and, and thanks again for the invite uh to present at um uh julian's event which was the daisy partner business live event and um essentially had the opportunity just to speak with those partners about changes really and kind of the things that are coming down the road in our in our market and we are particularly using a term um intelligent mobile data within the iot space if you want because I think that helps to drive um, the sort of uh, not only better better sort of understanding or quicker understanding, but also helps people to align it with where they understand mobile data being today. And I think that's a great term, Dan, because you know the um, possibly the you know the, the misconception, and maybe you know a misconception that I shared with many people before you know really engaging with you guys was that that IoT was was about just simply the transfer of very small packets yeah. of data. Um, whereas actually bringing it to life within that term of intelligent data um, really you know, starts to do it justice in terms of the applications that can sit on the back of it, the user cases, and, and the sheer breadth of how, um, of how that mobile data service can facilitate businesses to become more efficient, to become super effective, to become, you know, ultimately to become more profitable as well at the end of it. Yeah, no, no you're right. And, you know, even, even we had to kind of, refresh and think about how we're going to help people to learn quicker about it but today we're taking another step on that which is you know particularly talking about probably one of the biggest if i wouldn't say the biggest but a very big change in uk telecoms uh, infrastructure which is the move away from analog to an ip network and the turn off of um psdn yeah which is um, for the end of 2025 yeah and you know just to go back to what you said there i mean whether it's the biggest 
the biggest change to to ever have hit the the industry. I certainly, with confidence, would say that it's the biggest change within the last within the last thirty years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's a you know it is a change that is really really not to be underestimated. You know, reading analyst reports, um, there was one came through this morning to me, and that was predicting that by coincidentally by twenty twenty five, that eighty five percent of organisations were going to be were going to be sitting on an IP infrastructure. They were going to be IP based from where we are now, which I think is at about 15%. So in that period of time, you know, there's a huge seismic shift that's going to take place. And if you look at where we are now, you know, realistically, you know, whenever I look at these things, I always project six months ahead. So, you know, in in my mind, we're kind of at end of financial year 21, 22, starting financial year 22, 23. And when you put it in those terms, it's crazy. 20, 2025 <laughs> is not a long way away. No, agreed. And um, the bit that I think maybe just to give people a little bit of context, maybe we just talk a little bit about, you know, what's actually sort of happening and like what it is. You know, for those of you who don't know what PSTN means, it's the public switch telephone network. It's about 100 years old, you know, <laughs> as as Julian said, you know, maybe the biggest changes in the last 30 years. I would probably agree with you. But the, but the thing is, it's very similar to when telephone lines were first delivered, yeah? It took a very long time to deliver copper lines all across the country and get ubiquitous or as far as possible ubiquitous coverage with copper lines to be able to have a, a telephone call in all places. But uh, today it still supports, I mean, many, many uh, lines. I think we've got in total about 2.4 million lines are supported by PSTN. You know, essentially that's looking after some critical services as well. It's not just your standard, you know, broadband for home, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, and you're right in what you were saying that, you know, it it is very worthwhile spending that time just to, I guess, demystify it. Because from my opinion and from my experience, I think there's some, uh, some real trains of thought out there amongst the population that either from disbelief, denial, or, <laughs> yeah. or, or actually just pure... <sighs> I'm not going to use the word ignorance because it's got a bit of a negative connotation yeah, to it, but yeah. just just a complete lack of um, of knowledge or understanding um, about what is on the the horizon. And when I'm saying horizon, I'm talking about the very near horizon. Yeah, I mean, um, just to add some context that for you guys who are listening, that you know, although we talk about the switch off in 2025, it's actually started. The sunset has begun. So as of today, we have hundreds of exchanges that are on what they're calling stop sell already so you couldn't buy the service in that exchange anymore if you needed it uh, and i think it's quite um the penny sort of drops for a lot of clients don't they when they realize oh i actually can't buy that service anymore in that exchange and it, it goes beyond just being able to buy that service you know once they once an exchange enters stop sell then um customers sitting within that exchange area will not be able to make changes so moves ads changes to their um, their infrastructure will be blocked there, there there's no there will be or there is no facility for them to be able to do anything other than keep their existing infrastructure until such a point that that exchange is switched off completely 100% the fundamental impact of this is is more than significant and i think it's probably also also worth touching on you know and and demystifying one of the um uh, one of the things that's out there which is that this is only going to affect businesses because the reality is it isn't. It's it's affecting everybody in the UK. So residential homes will be will go through exactly the same stop sell and will be required to migrate off that 
PSDN technology onto an IP-based telephony solution um, within the same timescales as business will. No, 100%. I think, I think that's why we want to talk about it because both, both our businesses together um, are quite passionate about what's actually coming up and how we're going to sort of deal with this. And I think maybe we just talk a little bit about sort of, you know, we've called it what's, what's the fuss all about. <laughs> but, you know, I think that, you know, things like WLR lines just won't be an option anymore. Um, and I think that could be quite a shock for some people's revenue streams particularly if you are still based on that. And I know that in the telecoms industry, it's been raised a long time ago to, you know, effectively diversify the way that you sell product, bring in other things, hosted, cloud products, um, get more into intelligent mobile data, get more into other things so that you're not so dependent on your revenue from WLR. You know, I, I just I just worry about those guys who are still in that vein. Certainly. And you know, from a from an opportunity side, from a positive on a positive note, now, that switch to IP telephony just opens up so many additional doors um, and avenues, yeah. and and it's the it's the conduit to have those different conversations with with customers if you're sitting within you know within a channel environment to start to become more than just the provider of a line and call package to actually yeah. start to understand you know how you can integrate within their 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 business itself and how you can do the thing that we've been talking about for many many years which is you know how do we add additional value you know, yeah. how do how do we become you know, through the through the pandemic pandemic excuse me telecoms continue to operate because it was deemed to be an essential service and and rightly so but yeah. i think here you know we we need to take a look at how how we become the essential service to to customers to help them through that journey, to help them navigate their way through that digital transformation. I totally agree with you. I mean, let's let this maybe talk about what if someone's sort of only just realizing this, or or you know, fortunately have listened to us and, and go, yeah, actually, geez, that's something I've uh, got to get my head around. Um, there there are other options. You know, it's not like it's completely dead in the water. There are other ways to go, and I think some of those uh, are probably things like what they're terming as Sergio, which is the uh, single order generic Ethernet access for those who need to know that. However, the thing with that particular scenario is that it, it is also um, an analog solution um, and it's running on the same copper lines, uh, which means that the distance from the exchange still makes an impact. But there's also going to be uh, ways in which you can use alternatives. Do you, you know, do, do you want to talk a bit about those? Yes, absolutely. And it's when you start to look at those that you suddenly see, you, you see the legacy of that WLR network and you see how how unfit for purpose it really it really is well maybe back then yeah versus now right <laughs> yeah you think yeah but you know things that pe- things that we take for granted um on a day-to-day basis with um till units payment terminals yeah. all of which are, are, are sitting on that that analog psdn um backbone you know they all need to be moved into into a, a new or a different technology similar to cctv to to lift monitoring, yeah. the the breadth of that PSTN network that's going to be switched off and the reach that it has is astronomical now. And I think this this switch off gives a real opportunity for people to look at at technology that's fit for purpose. So with things like payment terminals, you know, yes, it may be a static payment terminal in a location in a single location, but actually those payment terminals would be much better served by a four G connection. Yeah simply because of the you know the quality of connection the robustness of it and the the additional speed that it brings you. No, I agree I think you know we'll touch on the fact that the reason why we on this particular session are addressing the alternatives is because yeah I think both businesses agree that having a 
different way to access over the air, essentially, you know, using 4G, um, using using the Daisy Anywhere service, uh, the ability to connect um, to multiple networks with a single SIM card, and also the advent of 5G means that, you know, you are essentially future-proofing that connection if it fits into the best way to do it, right? I mean, uh, Julian mentioned some incredible options there, which is uh, Lyft companies. Uh, the one I quite like a lot is cash machines. Um, they all use uh, analog lines and probably don't use that much data, but could probably service themselves better with a 4G service. Um, but some of the other options around that is, you know, pretty much anything, not pretty much, definitely everything you can do today with a broadband connection, you can do with a cellular connection. And I think that's what's quite important for people to hopefully pick up is that where possible, both from an opportunity and a commercial perspective, why not then? You know, why not go for something that is over the air, easier to deploy, and um, in my personal experience, a little bit easier to support as well. Certainly, I think the um, I think the support element is is critical to it, and you know, giving that bringing mobility to those static services that that have yeah. been sitting on the analog um, the analog network, then just opens up much more opportunity and much greater flexibility for organizations and we've seen you know we've seen over the course of the past 18 months you know that that absolute need for flexibility you know and i, I don't want to dwell on on covid or anything but i think you know in my, in my opinion i don't think we're out of the woods yet yeah. and i think organizations now you know given the the breathing space that we're in should very seriously be looking at one future proofing themselves against this um this psdn switch off that is that is that has got an absolute hard line in the sand, but also challenging themselves about transforming their business and and securing their business should something happen in the near future. No, well, let's um, if we can, like I just want to talk through a couple of stats, and then maybe you know I'm happy to sort of share some of the case studies that we're working on and, and sort of what type of people from from a kind of a large perspective and, and and sort of a normal perspective are actually doing it right now. So, for example, right, I mean. Yeah, back to the pandemic conversation, but actually in 2020, mobile data usage increased by 28%, which is people need to understand that that is, that is you know, almost a 30% increase in a massive market already. Right? You know, it's not like it's a, a one to 10 type scenario. It is, it, is a, it is a huge market. But also for partners um, and customers of yours wanting to get into this market, and a lot of them are business owners, actually the value attributed to uh, an intelligent mobile connection is quite a lot higher than a traditional fixed connection you know, in terms of your um, exit value. So there's a good reason to do it from those two perspectives. Um, the bit that I kind of probably like the most is the fact that during 2020 and probably the last 18 months, the UK lost almost five billion pounds uh, due to outages. You know, the fact that people couldn't connect and didn't have a, I suppose, a robust and a and a What's important is a different backup solution. A lot of guys think they have a backup solution, don't they? They really do think they've got a backup solution in PSDN or in broadband, but the problem is that all goes back to the same exchange. And quite often, if you lose the primary service, you don't you kind of lose the secondary service as well. Yes. Yeah. And they don't quite understand that. And you know, one of the things that I know we are going to work on with you guys particularly is making sure that again, you know stay sort of away from well first of all psdn as a as a backup i don't think that's smart anymore um because of the turnoff and various things but actually looking at these alternatives because they just are better aren't they yeah absolutely and it, it always makes me laugh when i am when you talk to customers or you, you see partners deploying solutions and and actually the backup service sits on exactly the same 
um, <laughs> technology backbone as the primary service does. And you're thinking, well, you know, surely that should give you a clue that really that um, that that backup, that disaster recovery, that business continuity, call it what you will, is fundamentally flawed at, at the very outset. So it makes absolute perfect logic and common sense that your that your backup should be on a different technology stream to to your primary your primary connection. And 100%. it uh, it stands to reason that 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 secondary um, technology stream should be mobile. Well, I think, um, you know, this is obviously from my perspective, but I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the intelligence that we're bringing to mobile data and the ability to, to use it as, as if it was broadband, but it moves, right? Like that's the way I think is a really quick way to think about this stuff is going to become probably one of the biggest revenue streams in the next four or five years. You've got the advent of 5G, you've got the proliferation of devices, and you have some compelling events like turn off the PSTN coming into your direction. So, you know, the Daisy partners, 100%, this is you know, something that definitely opens up doors for you guys. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect storm. I mean, the three events there that you described, you know, combining those together, um, I think from a partner perspective, it it, it makes it a no-brainer that, uh, that they should be starting to look here. And, and, and it's not just about... Um, sort of the revenue for the here and now. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned an exit value there, but I think the ongoing revenue streams um, through through going through embarking on this journey are significantly higher um, for the partner than the revenue streams that are available to them if they do nothing and just continue to sell what they've always sold, because yeah. it opens up so many different conversations. It opens up so many more conversations of of differing types where they can start to become much more under the skin of their customer's business. And once you achieve that, and once you do get under that skin, then you, know, you become that, that person that we've all strained and, and um, tried to attain, which is the trusted advisor. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and achieving that doesn't become, you know, it, it, it removes that seller and purchaser relationship and very much forges a, a consultative relationship and in those you know in those models that consultative relationship can drive additional revenue opportunities plain and simple 100% no I, I can't read more I mean if you wouldn't mind I'm, I'm going to take the, the listeners through two case studies we have at the moment particularly on this one is um, already happening and the other one is um, very much on the horizon in terms of the timeline for them the first one is again you know uh, through a partner but basically looking at the I can only term it as what they would call street furniture or, you know, think of street traffic lights, think of the little gray boxes that you see uh, um, sort of along along high streets. This is in a, in a major city, London, in, in this case. And every one of those devices delivering a service were connected through PSTN and, and, and a broadband line. Um, it's been there for a long time. And um, this company has decided that actually they want to future-proof that and they fit the profile to swap out 4,500 of these connected street furniture sites, if you want to call it that, and move them to um, to the equivalent of the Daisy Anywhere product. Um, these would be on private static IP in, in, in this case, and they've already started the rollout. The rollout, uh, we've done 1,000 already out of the 4,500, but it is happening today. And I find it very fascinating because you can walk up and down London, you can actually say, oh, that is going to change to the new way uh, of working. The total contract value of that is about 2.8 million to the partner. Um, so, you know, it's not like we're saying there's, you know, there's little money in this again, to your point about learning about IOT, uh, you know, intelligent mobile data, what's the value that is 
a four and a half thousand um, endpoints in the deal, but the total contract value is two point eight million. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, which is which is which is useful, right? And you know, you think that's that's definitely worth understanding. Um, the the second one is um, is quite interesting. Um, in, in fact, it's uh, twice the number of endpoints. It's close to about ten thousand. But this is something that I think is it gives you a very good understanding of what is low hanging fruit in PST and switch off and changes. So these are all cash machines. Now, traditionally, the cash machine is connected with a broadband line off the back of a PSTN, and their data consumption is actually quite low. They're not sending videos all over the place. This is, you know, text backwards and forwards. So the data requirement is quite low, but the resilience and the capability you need to connect that thing has to be much better than PSTN. And so this is particularly going through a, um, a case study now with us, which the rollout starts later into next year. Um, and again, this is probably more, it's a very similar value because it's double the endpoints, but it needs a little bit less data. So this is again, just, this is about 2.9 million in terms of total contract value um, in terms of those deals coming through. But I think, I think here it's all about, you know, the customer realizes that, yeah, I, I, I should be doing this. I kind of have to do this, but my better alternative is to go for a wireless connection rather than a wire. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really interesting that you know you're saying that you've got partners involved in in these opportunities. So I think again, you know, it may be that that some partners would look at this and think, well, you know, the the opportunity size for me is is relatively small because you know the the the, the large opportunities, the examples that you quoted there, are really outside of their their scope. And the truth is that they're not. Um, no. you know, we've we've proven it in those two examples there. Um, you know, two point eight, two point nine million contract value in exchange for actually the the amount of effort and technical knowledge that was required to deploy the solution there's a real disconnect between the two if you like in terms of that this is a logical thing for the uh, the customer to do and as you said you know they have to do it at some point the partners managed to start that conversation by not just talking about the fear around the PSTN switch off but starting to talk about you know the benefits of intelligent data so you know they they sold a solution as opposed to solving a problem. 100%. Yeah. And I think just coming back to that that former point or that previous point, the customers have to do it. And, you know, God forbid that all the customers decide that they're going to wait until the last minute. They'll be too not to say that it's going to be switched off because there's there is going to be a there's going to be a, a challenge in terms of moving that volume of customers in a short space of time. There already is a challenge and we're coming to the end of 2021. So, you know, sitting on our hands until the uh, the dawn of 2025 is really just not an option for me. It, it, this work needs to start now, and with any with any transition and with any um, seismic shift, the way that this is, it's the guys that are going to be in at the outset that are going to benefit from this. Absolutely, you couldn't have said it any better myself. I think we're I think we're getting close to our time um, in terms of where we are, but I think the the bottom line is you know do yourself a favor if you're listening to this. You know, think about your base. Think about your customers and who is affected and how they might be affected. Particularly, you know, head over to either the Pangea or the or the Daisy website, daisycoms.co.uk, to find out what we're talking about and maybe have a you know have a have a browse around to figure out how this can work for you. Um, I really wouldn't uh, adopt this sort of it's not really come to me. It's I'm not going to worry about it situation because I guarantee you that pretty much anyone who's listening to this would have had a customer on a 24 month contract. 
and that con- that customer might need something in the next 24 months or even if you get to the end of that term this this stuff has to be addressed pretty soon um, and you'll probably feel it when you're trying to order something at an exchange that doesn't have it available anymore um, or a change needs to happen as Julian said before I think you're gonna, gonna kind of struggle for that if I may thanks so much for listening um, it's really important that we uh, can get some feedback if anyone has anything to ask for particularly to myself or Julian Otherwise, um, you know, do head over to Daisy's website and check out their Daisy Anywhere product. Um, super fast, highly flexible, multi-network 4G service. Um, can do things like public static IP and a lot of really, really interesting um, products and services it's supporting already now. Um, but most importantly, you know, reach out to Julian, um, particularly about the switch off and the change in PSD and Ortiz team uh, before it's too late. I think it's probably the, the message here, isn't it? Absolutely. The time is now. We are, um, you know, we can't afford to, and we don't want to be sitting on our hands. So, you know, help educate the customers, those that have got their head in the sand that are in denial about this. Um, you know, take them on that journey um, and, you know, collectively let the customer benefit from that move to the new technologies and from the understanding of what intelligent data can do from their business. Let you guys in the, uh, in the channel benefit from being able to have a different conversation with customers that I think we've all been crying yeah. out for. Um, and collectively, let us do the right thing. And um, let's do the right thing and just make sure that we're, you know, together, we're building a better Britain. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, Julian Parvin, Director of Partner Business at Daisy Comms. Thanks so much for joining us. And I really appreciate your time. To the listeners, uh, yeah, as usual, do check out our LinkedIn page, um, website, pangea-group.net. Uh, for more of the information where the podcast will be up shortly. Um, I'm Dan Cunliffe, Managing Director of Pangea. Thank you so much for listening.